Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. All right. Well, if you listen to the episode with David McCraney, you heard me mention at the beginning that I'm splitting out the role play conversation into this separate episode. So if you want some context for what the heck are we doing here, definitely listen to that episode first. That's episode 780, How Minds Change and How to Change Minds with David McCraney, which would be right next to this episode in your podcast app player, chronologically speaking. And this is kind of fun. I role play a character who is skeptical about some climate stuff. And we hear how David would work the process in terms of going about some persuasion. Let's say you are the uh, systematic epistemologist. (laughs) I am the person on the other side. I'm just going to role play. I don't know. Let's say I am skeptical about climate change. Sure. And you want to change my mind. Cool. And like, since we've already talked all this time, we have established rapport. But if this was like, if it wasn't that way, I would just ask you like, you know, I would talk, I would ask questions like, it depends on the context. Like, how did you get here? Where are you from? It's like the first questions on a date. You're just trying mm-hmm. to get to know the person in a, while, in a way. So we've already done that part. And you just gave me your claim. You said you're skeptical about climate change. Yeah. So let me ask to refine that a little bit. Like when you say you're skeptical about climate change, like what do you mean by being skeptical in this regard? What is it, what is it that you're skeptical of? I am not convinced that... Man-made CO2 emissions are on a path to raise our temperature in a disastrous way that truly risks the extinction of the human species. Wow. Yeah. So I I hear you. You're not convinced that it's man-made carbon emissions are doing enough, are affecting the environment to the extent that it's leading us toward some catastrophic outcome. Am I hearing you correctly there? Yeah, I think folks are just getting a little overzealous and nutty about it all. It's like, Mm. yeah, it might get a little warmer, but hey, the climate goes in cycles. It gets hotter, it gets colder all the time. Can we just chill out a little bit? Got it. And you'll notice I'm taking notes because what often happens here is you get uh, what they call the gish gallop, which is you're presenting more than one argument, but there's no need for me to address it, but pretend I didn't say that out loud. Okay. Because what you've mentioned is people are overreacting. You also said that we go in cycles, and then you have the original argument that you put forth. So I want to make sure we talk about one of those things. So I'm just going to, to cleverly like ask questions in that way. So which of these do you think is the, is the most concerning to you? The The fact that people seem to be very concerned with that it's humans doing this, or that there's going to be a catastrophic outcome or is it the or is it the, the fact that people are so so seem to be so frantic about it which of these do you feel is the thing that is most driving your skepticism i think it's the franticism if that's a word that i find most troubling because folks are making real decisions associated with how energy exploration is is going to happen whether gas vehicles are going to be outlawed, whether the the price at the pump is going to go up and up and up. It seems that this, and, and I could understand if I were terrified that we were all going to die, I, I too would, would probably mm. 
say, oh, we got to, you know, put the kibosh on oil and gas ASAP. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess that's what I find most concerning is that if we could just maybe chill out a little bit and try to make Mm -hmm. some smart steps to curtail air pollution just because, you know, nature's cool and that'd be a a generally nice thing to do, but to not like make, I don't know, multi-trillion dollar investments that are going to be harmful to folk. Yeah. I wonder people who are concerned about this, who seem to be overreacting like you're like you're saying what do you think has caused them to be so frightened over this issue well i think they genuinely believe that they are at risk mm-hmm. like them or their children or their grandchildren could die because of this yeah yeah and you, you don't feel that way i think it's unlikely it might be possible but it seems like for my cursory review of the ipcc stuff it seems like, hey, there's really a wide range of outcomes that could go down here. It is is far from certain that uh, this is the path we're on. Right, right. I hear you. And it sounds like you've done it. You've done your due diligence. You've looked at information, and you. Well, I watched an inconvenient truth, and I I've read a few articles about the UN Intergovernmental Panel. If I'm saying that right, but I mean, I haven't read whole books or done multiple hours of research on the matter. I just took a look around. Oh, here, that's good. Most people don't do that. So, you know, like, uh, I know people on both sides that haven't really looked into it very much. I'm wondering, like, if you would, like, put a number on it, like, if if we're trying to figure out, like, where you are in your fearfulness or your comfortness, if 10, let's say, let's put it zero to 10, like, if 10 was someone, like, you're describing who is, like, really afraid, they're, like, picketing, they don't even drive a car, they they just have, like, a skateboard and a bicycle, (laughs) that's, like, a 10. And then let's say, imagine there's something on the other end of the scale, which is somebody who like, they retrofitted their car to run on like an old 1950s diesel engine and they like pour oil into the river just for fun. <laughs> like that's a, that's sort of a zero, like between zero and 10, where would you put yourself on this climate change is a, is a problem type feeling you've got? I probably maybe a four. It's like, the, hey, the environment is is beautiful. Let's make some sensible, modest efforts to keep it that way and, and not just be destructive. But no need to bend over backwards and go out of our way to halt the danger, which then might not even be real. I got you. A four. I'm wondering, like, like why not a three, though? Like, what makes four feel like a, a good number for you? Oh, I guess uh, I feel like a more than a third, less than a half. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recycle? Not everything, but I do. I do have the bins. Yeah, yeah. Why do you recycle? Like, what would you say is the motivation to recycle for you? Well, I mean, it just seems like landfills are a a finite resource, like mm. ultimately, and and some things really do never biodegrade. And so if I can throw something in one bin or another, it's really no incremental effort. So why the heck not? Just yeah. go for it. I'm wondering, like, the... On this scale, like you're not a five and you're not a three, you're got this four. Uh, you're closer to the middle than you are on the ends there. Like, if you were to try to pinpoint like a reason that you could say is really underpins why you're not all the way on one end of the scale, not on the other. What's a what's a something that you've seen or felt or, or experienced or read that led you to see that this isn't as dangerous an issue as a lot of people make it out to be. Is it as dangerous? You know, I think, well, I don't even know if I'm getting the name right, but it might be Bjorn Lumborg. Uh, I think he's got a book called Cool It. And I just read an interview with him. And uh, I thought, oh, that sounds reasonable. 
like if you're in the climate science game, it would serve your interests to have a hysteria associated with it. Like, oh, the work I'm doing has the fate of, of mankind in the balance. So surely you must give me my lab lots of funding. I mean, that seems sensible. And if I were in their shoes, I might very well want to like play that up like, oh yeah, we there's maybe a, a one in a, a million chance we're all going to die, but let's really play that up because that keeps the gravy train rolling to my lab. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that when it comes to issues like this, that it's not this. There's somebody making money on both sides of something like this. Like, like if you get, if you sell oh, sure. a book, you're going to make some money. Scientists need their funding, and I guess oil and gas companies too. They they make their money with the status quo. They got the infrastructure. Let's yeah. pump some gas and boom. Yeah, it feels like uh, there's always an opportunity for somebody to to make money or to prevent themselves from losing money when it comes to an issue like this. Because the way we feel about it. That's going to influence the way we vote. And once you get that involved, it sounds like there's all sorts of, I mean, I'm, tell me if I'm, I'm hearing you correctly, but it feels like you're, you're pretty careful about who might be up to something in all this regard, especially when politics and money get involved. I mean, careful. I mean, I mean, I'm not out there with signs or picketing or anything, but I, I guess I am careful in the sense that I don't just accept what either side tells me. I, I assume folks have an agenda on both sides, whether you're an oil and gas company or whether you're a, a climate scientist. Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, there's, there are a lot of books out there that take a, you know, the side that this is a problem and they're written by people who are uh, climate scientists. And there are people who write books, like you're mentioning, who you know, take the other side of things. How do you personally decide, like, well, this, which book is the one that you should like put more of your trust into. How do you decide which ones of these are the ones that are worth reading and sharing and talking about? Oh, I don't know. I guess I've never read either whole book. I suppose ideally you have some credentials. I don't remember if if Bjorn Lomborg is the guy's name, but he seemed to have some credentials. I guess I'm a little skeptical of of folks who who use over the top language in anything. Hmm. I guess in real life, it feels like things are rarely always or never or existential or trivial. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, if someone who seems reasonable and not nutty on, on either side. I hear you. Yeah, sure. Sam, so feel the same way. I'm wondering, like, like Bjorn, just hypothetically, if Bjorn was to put out a book where they, like, he took a different position, like, it was like, after careful review, I've decided to take the other side of this issue. How would you respond to that, you think? You know what? I find that really intriguing. And in fact, I, I don't remember who said it in science history, but it said something like one scientist was being criticized for reversing his opinion. And he said, well, you know, when new evidence comes to light that shows my prior theory was incorrect, I, mm. I modified my, my theory. What, sir, do you do? Like, aha. So I, I think there's, there's something kind of honorable, in fact, about publicly saying, oh, hey, you know, new stuff has come to light. And, and I, this is where I'm at now. So I, I would find that somewhat persuasive. It sounds like you're, what you're saying is that you're open to new evidence maybe could come to light or maybe the people you are familiar with presenting issue the issue in a different way. You'd be open to seeing it a little differently if they were to present it in a way that was comfortable to you, that it felt like matched your standards for this sort of thing. I would. I mean, I'm probably not going to read a 50-page uh, report, mm. but uh, I, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd click it, see what's up. Well, how... Given that you're open to it, and I think that's fantastic, a lot of people would never do something like that. Uh, they have a position, they're in it, and that's it. 
but who has the time to read all this stuff and uh, like who has the time to keep up with all the things that are going on especially with gas prices where they're at and war in ukraine and there's a lot of stuff going on if there was something to come out something new from uh, bjorn or or someone else that uh you're familiar with how would you discover that things have been updated i guess i would have to proactively google it uh, <laughs> yeah yeah like it's important you know as i feel the same way i learned the other day that the uh the brontosaurus that, that they don't even call it that anymore it's got a different name now I, like i was like well okay like how was i ever i last i checked in on dinosaurs was jurassic park it's hard it's hard to keep up with what's going on. What do you like use as like your news sources to like keep up with like anything? Do you like listen to NPR in the morning or you turn on the news as you're making coffee? What do you, what's your method? I try to get a little bit of everything. It's mostly online. So Wall Street Journal and, hmm. and New York Times. And then you maybe just a little bit, a little bit of everything. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, it seems to me like you're a pretty reasonable fellow and that if you had the time, you'd be able to like zero in on like, uh, like what's going on here. I get you like that. I don't, I freak out when people freak out if, and, uh, it sounds like you're the same kind of guy, but yeah, it is hard though to keep up with stuff like this, especially like some of these people that they, they put out like 20 books and I had, I barely was able to read the first one. I'm just wondering like, if you like, uh, what if we were to meet someone who had like read like 20 books on book 10 books on one side 10 book on the 10 books on the other and they had a different view than you what would you think your reaction to that would be well i think that'd be a per, an interesting person i'd i'd want to chat with i guess i'd also hope that this person doesn't clearly have a vested interest mm -hmm. you know like he's not a lobbyist for an oil and gas company and he's he's not like running a climate lab yeah. somewhere but it's i don't know where we find this angelic third party <laughs> yeah it's just a nice thought experiment <laughs> encumbered who's read these 20 books but that would be a person i'd enjoy talking to yeah for sure this is a fun little thought experiment that worked on me a couple times like let's imagine there's somebody who has read everything that you've read and seen everything that you've seen and also feels very similarly to how you feel about you know vested interests and everything they instead of being a four they're way over like on seven if I were to come into a room where the two of you were standing and you both presented to me your viewpoints, how would I figure out which one of you to go with, do you think? What would be the best way to do that? What would be the best way to do that? I think the way it would actually work is, unfortunately, who's, who's the most attractive and has the fewest vocal pauses <laughs> and perhaps has the most degrees and letters after their name. So that's probably what would happen. Or people just sort of go with what they already believed uh, going into the room. But perhaps the best way would be to genuinely just write point, counterpoint. And like, did we address the questions or, or dodge them in the debate? And were the points made factually true and, and not misleading? And to weigh, okay, who's, who's got more good evidence? Hmm. I like it. Well, I wish I had more time to talk to you about this, but this is what I like most is that you are really open to evidence. You're really open to the fact that there's a lot out there to learn when it comes to something like this. And it's difficult to get all of it at once. Uh, it's hard to get all of it out even one. If even if you read a whole book about it, that's not even nearly all you need. And yeah, there are people on both sides. Like the the gas and oil companies certainly wanted to go one way, and there are politicians that wanted to go one way. And but there are also people who 
they are like, uh, how can you live in a world without jets? How can you live in a world without cars? Like, you know, it's not like we can just flip a switch and, and it's all over with. So like being extreme in either ways doesn't seem like the right way to go. But I like that you're trying to cut through all this and having, having a reasonable reaction to it, given what any of us can understand about this stuff where we are. If you're open to it, I'd love to talk to you another time about this at some other day. Nope, sure. Cool. Well, I really appreciate it. Uh, I wish you well. And thank you for giving me some of your time and being the open-minded and, and reasonable person to explore an idea like this. I think it's important considering how much we just argue all the time. Oh, sure. Thank you. So that was the role play. And again, if you listen to that first, you'll get some more context for what we were doing and David's perspectives on that in that episode 780, How Minds Change and How to Change Minds with David McCraney. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.